Hello and welcome to episode 848 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, September 1st. Wow, September 1st. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm joined by Justin Mason. Justin, welcome to September. Wow, I mean, it's amazing we've made it through four months of baseball. Wow, I mean, it, it would be five. When five, you... yeah, I, I don't okay. know. <laughs> Already screwed that one up. Way to go. Um, yeah, September. Wow, I'm kind of shook by that. But here we are. And uh, we're in the stretch run of the season. It's been running relatively smoothly for a while. And we had a pretty strong trade deadline. It didn't seem like that was going to happen. Well, it wasn't even so much that it didn't seem like it was going to happen. It was hard to know what was going to happen. That's kind of where I came out was like, I don't know how this is going to go. So I'm leaning toward I don't think it's going to be much because – Who's going to pay for rentals? Who's going to trade for big players? Like, what? what's really going to be able to happen? Turns out, a lot. And I thought it was a pretty fun deadline again this year. Were you, were you pretty keyed in on everything yesterday, wait, waiting around for all these trades to come through? I was, like, watching like a hawk. Uh, <laughs> most, like, I actually was up really late, too, the night before. Like, because usually there's, like, a bunch of, like, midnight deals and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, but you know, a- after the Clevenger deal, it was pretty quiet until, uh, or no, it was after the Nola deal. It was pretty quiet until the Clevenger deal. So, uh, and, and then it was just fast and furious and, uh, writing up all the trades last night for the Roto write up this morning was, uh, a bit daunting, easily the largest Roto write up I've ever done. I think, um, I- so. I hear you, man. I'm I'm working on on my piece on the on the trades for today on the site, so that'll be up um, right around when this podcast is dropping, depending on when you're listening to it. Uh, just so much stuff happened. We had Isan Diaz return mm-hmm. from COVID, which we can get in deeper into, uh, or from opting out from COVID. He didn't have COVID. He re- he returned from an opt out, which we can get into when we talk about the the trade that's somewhat related to it. But let's just start at the top and kind of go trade by trade here. Talk about the the fallout for each fantasy wise, and you know how great the Padres uh, look now after their <laughs> after their big extravaganza. Because I don't know how you could come out and not think that they're huge winners with all this. So let's start with the Clevenger deal. Uh, this is the biggest one of the of the deadline, and it was a monster. Padres get Mike Clevenger, Greg Allen, player to be named later. For Josh Naylor, Cal Quantrill, Gabriel Arias, Austin Hedges, Joey Cantillo, and Owen Miller. Now, it's definitely a little bit more of a quantity over quality vibe, but it it is not lacking quality. It just doesn't have that giant A plus mm-hmm. prospect name here. But uh, Arias is probably the the big prospect name. You know, Quantrill was a one time prospect, as as was Naylor. They're both right after that uh, graduation period. We'll see if they can get some more out of them. What did you think of this haul for Clevenger? And then we'll get into kind of the fantasy ramifications for San Diego and Cleveland. I mean, you would like to see Cleveland get a little bit more impact out of Clevenger. But at the same time, when every team in Major League Baseball knows you just want to get rid of the dude it becomes harder for you to have that leverage in order to get mm-hmm. that. And so I think they did 
fairly well. I mean, this is a team that really needed some depth, uh, and I think they addressed that. And and uh, and San Diego had added so much depth they could afford to get rid of it. So I think it was kind of a win-win for so too. both teams. Uh, I, I really like Arias. I think he is a guy that could be a real impact prospect for them in the long term. And he was just straight up blocked in San Diego. So they, they were going to have to make a move. Uh, I mean, Naylor, I don't think he's going to turn out to be very much. Uh, though, I guess in Cleveland, he could probably transition back over to first uh, after Santana is gone. So Yeah, he'll get some outfield burn in the, in the interim, which, you know, he's not a great outfielder. He's probably better than Reyes out there, Fernando Reyes, who they got mm. last year. So each of the last two years, you know, they've gotten some outfield help from San Diego to address their outfield, but it's really been DH types. Fran Mill for sure. You know, he, he's transitioned right there to DH this year. Um, but then Naylor, like I said, can kind of handle the the corner outfield, left field in particular, a bit better and uh, not completely embarrass himself out there. And we know that they Cleveland's needed outfield for forever. Um, with Quantrill going over there, we know what Cleveland does with pitching. How much does that, you know, encourage you about about Quantrill? Um, I'm I'm definitely interested, but it's it's hard to find a way that he breaks into that rotation. That's the thing. I don't think he's a rotation piece. At least not of, now. Yeah, short of when they need somebody, if anything happens, because Zach Plesac will come back mm-hmm. with the departure of S- starting it Clevenger. at. Yes, he's starting on on September first. So we learned kind of the extent of their of their uh, upset with him. If he hadn't come up here, then you'd have been like, "Well, why didn't you trade him?" So yeah, you know, Clovinger creates a natural opening. They bring up Police Sack. So now it's Bieber, Savale, Police Sack, Carrasco, McKenzie is their five. Quantro will join the pen. Hedges becomes a backup catcher to Perez. Now they have two guys who play really strong defense. Um, but I don't know. Hedges is is worse than Perez. I think in all facets, he's a little bit worse defensively, and uh, a worse hitter, which is saying something because Perez is not a very good hitter. And then Arias Cantillo are, are the big prospects. Miller is is kind of a uh, utility type bench sort of guy. Arias looks like he'll be the heir apparent to Lindor right now. Like that's that's the idea. They're not going to re-sign Lindor. We're pretty clear on that. Uh, they've had so many, so many trade talks. If they weren't in it this year, make no mistake, Lindor would have been traded as well. But that's why there's some, that's why there's some um, uh, major league viability here too, because they didn't want to just get future pieces for Clevenger in the middle of a pennant race. Um, the depth of their pitching is such that hey, we traded Clevenger and we're bringing up Zach Plesac in his place. Is Clevenger better? I would say so, but is it substantial over a one-month sample? No, I don't think you can make that case. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know that you can make the case either. I, I yeah, I mean, well, like sample size volatility alone, you, you, yeah. you can't like it's five six starts. So uh, it's like... exactly so. It, it it is such that police act with the way he's performing, especially. But even in a, even if it wasn't like this peak police act that we're getting, taking a capable major league arm and just putting him in, even for a stud over the course of one month, 
there, there's some, there's plenty of dice rolls where they end up very similar, if not the the lesser talented guy coming out ahead. Uh, these two, I think they're relatively close with the police act that we've seen this year. And, you know, Clevenger wasn't exactly uh, untouchable. I mean, he had less than a strikeout per inning, 21 in 22 and two-thirds. And, um, you know, he's rocking a 137 whip, a 560 FIP right now with his 318 ERA because of that home run rate, um, four and a half walks, and then the the 8.3 Ks. So, you know, Clevenger wasn't quite there. I mentioned this. Uh, Nick and I were doing a, a deadline stream where we're kind of analyzing everything and i felt like this move kind of fits clevenger's vibe like going to san diego is is so perfectly his vibe of you know the whole sunshine and and kind of uh free and easy type and then he tweets out we, you know, weed this, is legal yeah he's like uh, this is the place i've most wanted to be so he's pretty excited about it do you think he's going to kind of turn up a little bit is is there like is he going to get back to being clevenger or, or do we just not know based on, you know, the environment alone? Um, I, I think he's going to show out the rest of the season. Uh, I mean, he, he's getting to go to a new league where hitters haven't seen him. Uh, San Diego's a good situation for him. Great team behind him. I, I think he's going to be the Clevenger that I think we've uh, kind of gotten to know and, uh, how much- and love. How much budget do you have in NL Tout that you might be able to? <laughs> Not nearly enough. Oh, I actually who's got the hammer. Um, that's a good question. I I think Fred might have the hammer. Andy's in first. Yeah, Andy's in first. He's Fantastic. been he's been saving Fab, and I think he's also one of those guys that uh, the Tout has a, a really cool rule that I think a lot of leagues should have, which is um, if you have a player that gets injured uh, that you drafted. Um, and they're out for the season, you can drop them and reclaim uh, their yeah, auction value is, yeah, yep. and fab. And so he's got like $1,300, I want to say. Oh my God. Okay, well, you guys are uh, screwed there. Yeah, and so like I only had like, I want to say uh, 200 250 bucks or something like that going into this last week. And so what I did was I made some kind of lower level trades for starting pitching uh, that uh, was, you know, you give me a starting pitcher you don't really want, and mm-hmm. I'll give you some fab money. So I traded about one hundred and fifty dollars worth, or one hundred and twenty dollars worth of fab for yeah. Michael Walker and Annabelle Sanchez. You scooped some pieces that way. I like it. I like mm-hmm. the old cash considerations trades there. Yep. Uh, that can definitely work. So, uh, yeah. Well, it looks like uh, looks like Fred's going to get Clevenger if he wants him with that kind of. <laughs> With that kind of money, which will be nice for him, as like we said, he's already leading the league. Yeah, um, rich getting richer. Trying, yeah, rich getting richer, and you might be making a deal with him too. Which trying even further enrich him. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so we we give kind of a little boost up to Clev Dog going out to San Diego. I agree with that. Josh Naylor is going to slot into at least the strong side platoon in left field. Domingo Santana was DFA'd. So I can see a Naylor Luplau platoon kind of works perfectly. How do you feel about Josh Naylor the rest of the year, and what formats would you consider scooping him? I think just AL only. Okay. Uh, I just, I mean, unless knife fights are a part of your Roto League, or points league, I guess. Wait, what? Oh, the, Naylor was the guy that accidentally stabbed his teammate in the minor leagues. Remember that? No! I do not remember that. 
it what the hell <laughs> yeah uh the <laughs> the story goes that um and of course like the team really kind of covered it up but mm-hmm. this is why he was traded from Miami to San Diego um okay. because he was like goofing around with a knife and accidentally stabbed a teammate oh stone garrett yeah in june he was suspended without pay after accidentally injuring teammate stone garrett with a knife don't say accidentally injuring say accidentally stabbing yeah oh my god i don't know if this was one of those like you know games where like he was like here see if you can move your foot fast enough or something like that or or what um so yeah, no that 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 was uh, that's the only reason I really remember Josh Naylor. That's hilarious and weird and scary. Uh, he was in that fateful deal, um, wherein the Marlins could have been really good for the Padres. They traded Naylor, Carter Caps, Jared Cozart, and a little old player named Luis Castillo hmm. for Andrew Krasner, Colin Ray, and Tehran Guerrero plus some cash. However, Colin Ray was hurt. Yeah. They said, you know, hey, Shiesty McShiest over here. Can't do that. Rework this a bit uh, or else we're going to avoid the whole thing. And they went Colin Ray back to San Diego, Luis Castillo back to Florida or back to Miami. And then, as we know, Castillo was then traded for Dan Straley. So imagine if San Diego had Castillo right now. Imagine. Imagine that. Where would he fit in this rotation? Because this rotation is... Well, they wouldn't have gotten Clevenger. Yeah, but I mean, still, like this rotation is just going to be... And they keep all the parts of it except for Richards going into next year. So, yes. you know, sub no, out Richards, add Gore for next year, and... They uh, are set up. They've got and this like... offense and that rotation and that bullpen... Like, this is going to be the best team in 2021. Yeah, they're loaded for Bear for beyond this year, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the huge thing about these trades. And we're going to get into uh, a couple of their other trades that also include future pieces. Um, I'm going to go a little bit further on, on Naylor. I, I think he actually is a little bit 15-team viable with the strong side of the platoon. Um, I think that's enough playing time to, to at least merit some fifth outfielder slash UT consideration. Um, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't go too crazy with it, but I think that that the playing time there will give Naylor some viability. Hedges shouldn't have been on a roster anywhere anyway. Um, are you considering Quantrill at all in AL only as like a reliever again because like the Cleveland factor, or is that no? Or is it just better relievers to get. I mean, he does have a 260 ERA, 24% strikeout rate so far this year, but. 133 whip. You know, I don't want to overstate it with Quantrill. I'm just, I'm wondering if maybe the Cleveland factor might be like, you know what, I'm going to throw a dollar on him just because. The problem is to... he's not even the long man there. Like, he, you know, Plutko is the, is the long man. Yeah, so that's true. You're not even going to get the cheap saves uh, that. And, unless they, unless he pitches in like the sixth, seventh inning and the game turns there. Mm-hmm. But you're talking about as far as like starter, you know, only goes five. Yeah, you need to get two, three innings out of somebody, or, or worse yet, starter goes fewer than five. Mm-hmm. Plutko comes in, does that. No, you're you're right. I I wouldn't get too key with it. There might be some situations for the, some of you folks out there that might need to consider somebody like Quantrill because you just need a warm body in your AL only rotation. But that's the extent of of that. Greg Allen also went out in this deal to San Diego. His his value is 
null, correct? Yeah, I don't think it's... I mean, here's the thing. Uh, jerks and Profar sucks. And so they technically... But so does Greg Allen. Yeah, but Greg Allen is at least a, a pretty decent defender. That so might earn him some team. That might. Yeah, so that might earn him some playing time. NL only, you know, throw a few bucks. Because uh, he does have speed, and the Padres will run. So, uh, yeah, NL only, speed guy. Uh, Cleveland also brought up Oscar Mercado back to the bigs. They did. They so, did indeed. Uh, so he, it could be a double platoon with Josh mm-hmm. Naylor and Naquin against righties, and then Luplau and Mercado against lefties. Yeah. So keep an eye on that there. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, if Mercado can kind of get back to what he was last year, maybe he can get more of a full-time role. But right yeah, now... Yeah, Naquin then heads to the bench. I think Naylor's going to be I the guy. I think the Shields would get murked. Oh, yeah, honest. probably. Um, so, But uh, Naylor's the guy in left field, I think, the rest of the way. I think he will sit... You know, on you know, and have the strong side of the platoon, but I think he's gonna get full run. Yeah, that's that's why I like him a little bit. Yeah. in Fifteen teamers. He does have uh, some pop. Like I, yeah. he could probably he could hit for a little average too. It's because he's not overwhelming pop. Mm-hmm. He's one of those guys that you know he's got the big boy form. He looks like kind of a early career Prince Fielder. Josh Naylor does, and you're expecting like transcendent pop. It's not quite that, but I also think he could hit like two se- two seventy for you. Yeah, yeah, I think two seventy and. Maybe four, three or four home runs the rest of the way with the, yeah. for a chance for more Something in the power like department. Yeah, so keep an eye on, on him. I do think 15-teamers, uh, you can get him cheaper there. Let's move on to their next big deal. Uh, they were busy because we got, we got more than one <laughs> left with them. Uh, the Padres then got – or not well, – they got – this is not in order. Um, in fact, they did this one before the Clevenger deal. They got Austin Nola, Austin Adams, Dan Altavilla – for Taylor Trammell, Luis Torrens, Andres Munoz, and Ty France. Let's start with Nola. And I got to be honest. I love that Seattle went ahead and traded him at this peak. Mm-hmm. You know DePoto, uh, Trader, Trader Jerry is going to be out there doing his thing. And when I did my trade deadline candidates, I included Nola, who I really like. And I said, you know what? This is the time. He's 30 years old. What do they need him for? Mm-hmm. He's not going to be part of their next great team. Strike while the iron's hot. Little did I know how much of a seller's market it was. Um, and, you know, I couldn't have predicted it was going to be, or I mean, I guess it could have, but I didn't predict that it was going to be that hot of a market. But I would have advocated for trading I him mean, even more. You could have predicted it because I predicted it. Remember, we had this discussion. I don't remember, to oh. be honest. All right, well. But I, you, you can have the dub. I'll take I, the dub. Again, I just didn't know. I, I just kind of played like the. I'm going to play the wait and see. Like I mm-hmm. don't know what teams are going to give for anything. Turns out you could get some real stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was an interesting. I think on both of these deals, analyzing it not just from a fantasy value but from the overall standpoint, I think the Padres and the two teams they traded with did well. I think these are both yeah. win-win deals. I agree. Like, even though there's not a monster prospect for Clevenger. Arias is a nice headliner, and they got good stuff around it. It would have been maybe one guy, maybe like one, like a Patino, and then two guys we barely know, Owen Miller and, and somebody else. Or you can get more. You can get some major league stuff and Arias. Same here with this uh, with this Padres uh, Seattle deal. Taylor Trammell. Now listen, I think that his prospect value is dimming a little bit. He's been he's being traded again. But still, in the context of this deal for a 30-year-old breakout catcher 
and two relievers to get him a super live arm in Munoz, who is recovering from TJ. So again, there's no guarantees there. But also Ty France, who killed it. I don't know much about Luis Torrens. Isn't he just kind of a backup catcher? Yeah, type? backup catcher. Uh, him, yeah. So, but yeah, the other three guys there are all potentially something. One of them could strike for Seattle and turn this deal really nicely for them. But let's start with Nola. He's going to go from Seattle to Arizona, or to, uh, to San Diego, excuse me. He's going to be the full-time catcher because they did also get Jason Castro. But Castro, I think, is going to be not even a platoon type of deal. It's going to be... He's going to be the one two time a week type of guy. I think I think we're looking at 70, 30, 60, 30, 65, 35 type of deal here with Nola and Nola gets to join that offense. This is a big boost for him, in my opinion. I'm excited about this. If I've got Nola on a squad, how do you feel? Well, at first, I was a little uh, disappointed because I really thought that Nola was going to get the short side of the platoon. Um, but he was the first guy out there yesterday. And so that's mm-hmm. a really, really good sign. Uh, and, uh, and catching uh, Garrett Richards, who was pulled after 3.2 innings of really good work in Colorado, well, and I started okay. him on my main event team. I, I understand why. I know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Stitching you know, on three days rest. Three but days rest and Morion. It was a planned tandem. And I didn't seem should, planned on Garrett Richards' face. No, nah, I think he understood. I thought that little interaction there where he kind of had a wry smile, like, uh, okay, you know, I could have finished the inning. You know, I really could have. But I think he understood the deal coming on three days rest because he had the 33 pitch disaster against Seattle of all teams. That's very frustrating. Um, But it can flip on a dime in Colorado. And the reason I agree with Tingler doing this move, taking him out after three and two thirds, is that extra third of an inning doesn't get you the win. If it was four and two thirds, I understand even Garrett Richards being pissed because no matter how much we rail on it, wins do help guys. Yep. Get attention. I mean, he's not he's not an arbitration guy anymore, but it really helps arbitration guys. But I, I would have understood that. But I think, you know, like I said, he had kind of a wry smile like, you know, I could have gone that last. This is 47 pitches and I'm dealing right now. Mm-hmm. But OK, Skip, I feel you. Colorado sucks. It, you know, the, the park sucks. This could easily flip, but I'm pitching brilliantly. Uh, but that's what happened with Garrett Richards. So, yeah, Nolan gets the first start there. Here's the thing, too. Even if Castro like started to turn his offense a bit, because really he's being propped up by his uh, OBP, he has a 16% walk rate that is just keeping him afloat as basically a league average bat. He has a 99 WRC plus because he's hitting 192, 323, 385. His power's there, but the batting average, I mean, is so bad that, uh, like I said, the OBP is doing a lot of the heavy lifting. If he started to turn around a bit, maybe cuts the K's, hits start falling a little bit more. Nola can play other positions. And you know that was my big thing about him coming into the year was the non-catching catcher. Well, then Tommy Murphy gets hurt, and he becomes the full-time catcher, which, hey, that works too. I just want playing time, even even though I do like the non-catching catcher. So he can bounce around a little bit, mostly infield, but I think he could even jump into that left-field spot where we go back to who we just talked about, Jerickson Profar. He stinks. We know that. He stinks. So, but he's insurance think, for a number of guys on the infield. Correct. If they uh, if they get you know hurt, if you know some guys start struggling, uh, so, so you're saying Nola is. Yeah, Nola, Nola is. Nola's, yeah, yeah. Yep, I totally agree. And they got Castro. They remade their entire catcher situation there by getting Castro and Nola. And like you say, Nola can play all pretty much everywhere on the infield except for short. 
And obviously that would be the one guy they don't want him to have to replace. And then he could even bounce out to left field if something happened. So I think his playing time is secured the rest of the way. Where do you rank him in, amongst catchers? In fact, let me let me tell you where he is first before I before I let you answer that among catchers, and I'll and then I'll ask you where he is the rest of the way. Austin Nola thus far, pulling up the player Raider. Please hold. I'm not going to do the trite thing where I say this is great radio because I'm doing something because I think that's worse radio. He's been second to JT Real Muto. Now part of that is catcher being horrible. But a bigger mm-hmm. part of that is him being great. He has a 150 LPS plus. He's 307, 377, 525 with five homers, 19 ribs, 16 runs on Seattle. Imagine what he's going to do on San Diego. Do you think he holds the two spot or can he be the top catcher the rest of the way? Or do you have him somewhere lower than that? Where do you put Nola rest away for catchers? Hmm. I probably put Nola second or third. I think, I mean, you have a discussion with, uh, like, well, I guess maybe not. God, Dude, man, this list, catching this list. is atrocious. It is, like, I, like the, the other, the other would-be studs are not performing. Grandal's at 12. Yeah, because uh, Grandal was the one I was debating. Yeah. I can't even scroll far enough to get Sanchez. My mouth is Sal Perez is hurt. Yeah, uh, hurt. He's got like an eye infection. He's on the IL. That stinks. Yeah. Contreras is eighth, so he's you know he's been okay, but he's uh, hitting one ninety six. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The guy's behind. No, I think Nola. he's second. I, I think you you keep Real Muto first because of the power, speed, and what we we expect to. Too. Yeah, we expect his batting average to come up a bit. Um, you I mean you don't expect Nola necessarily to hit three hundred rest of the way, but. Like, that offense around him... Like, the only bummer is the offense is so good, he's going to hit He has to move down. Exactly. Yeah. That's the only... But the mm-hmm. trade-off is that it's a better lineup. So and, good. And so I, I'll, I'll kind of take it. But, yeah, he was hitting higher in the order with... See, that's the, the downside of when you make a trade like this. He could also find guys. himself moving up because do we really expect, like, Mitch Moreland and Eric Hosmer to hit fourth, fifth in this lineup every day? Uh you know, Moreland's well, got to slow down. And against lefties, Nolan could definitely move up because mm-hmm. Moreland has been a straight platoon, and I think that they'll they'll adhere to that. And he was only batting fifth in Seattle, so it's not like he's going from, like, the 2-3 spot all the way down. He's going yeah. from fifth to eighth. There's no pitching bat, pitcher batting, so that doesn't hurt him. So I'm going to stick with Nola as the number two catcher. I think the guy who would threaten him the most at this point is Travis Darno, who's been amazing. He's sitting there mm-hmm. fourth. Pedro Severino's third don't quite buy him as much no so um yeah i love nola but anyway let's talk we got a lot of other pieces here in this deal um dan altavila and austin adams austin adams working his way back they just want to get depth in the bullpen there mm-hmm. um trevor rosenthal they got earlier in, in the week that's why we're not talking about that deal drew pomerantz came back yesterday all of a sudden after yates and pomerantz got hurt it was looking a little sus now they add rosenthal these two pieces from Seattle get Pomeranz back. Now it automatic it, it turns around into a strength. Like mm-hmm. it flips that quickly. So that's great for them. Let's talk about these pieces going back to um, Seattle. Taylor Trammell, Let's start there. Prospect. Again, I believe that this his his, his prospect light is dimming a little bit. When you get traded like this twice, 
it shows that you have enough desire to be a, a headliner in a deal, but that you're certainly not a we must keep him at all costs. You know, it, it it's that weird thing where it's like it's it's good and bad what's happening with him. I think that that you know his ceiling has come down a little bit in terms of what what teams believe he can actually be. Mm-hmm. But this is a good get for a 30 year old catcher that that kind of broke out out of nowhere. Do you think we see Taylor Trammell this year? He peaked at Double A last year. Um, I think we could. I don't think they want to bring up Julio Rodriguez or Kalnick uh, this year. But I think uh, Trammell, maybe they try to give him some run and see what they have in him. Uh, mm-hmm. It wouldn't surprise me if they don't, though. I mean, No, no, no. I think it can go either way. I agree with you. But I, I think he's more likely than mm-hmm. the other two studs. Or maybe they just keep all three of them down until next year, and then they bring up their super outfield. Yeah, you know, in, in I bet they want to work with him kind of like on a daily basis. So my guess is he's probably not going to see the Mantras this year. That mm-hmm. being said, like I know a lot of people in the industry are down on him. Uh, and I think, you know, obviously I am comparatively speaking to where he was in terms of prospects uh, at one point, but I definitely like him more than most. Yeah, I don't want to go too f- I don't want to get, you know, a Mott-like hatred for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes we, we, we do this, push these prospects down in the fantasy community, then they pop and we're like, well, where'd that come from? I was like, well, the writing was on the wall originally mm-hmm. as he was a prospect, uh, a high prospect. And again, I do believe I'm with you. It's fallen down, but I don't think it's in the in the garbage can as far as his prospect no. value, I especially mean, for fantasy because he he's a speed guy with some punch for Taylor Trammell. That's what I like about him a lot. Well, and the most important part that we don't talk about enough in fantasy is he's a premium defensive player. Yes, he's got great defensive capability, and that will keep him on the field a lot. Mm-hmm. And like I said, they're building a, a super outfield there with uh, – and, you know, honestly – I don't think they're all going to come up at once, Kelnick, Rodriguez, and Tramiel, because Kyle Lewis there is there as well. So now they have four guys, and that that'll play itself out. By the way, too, don't worry about people being blocked. Mm-hmm. I think we get way too hung up on that. Well, and Lewis is should be a DH. Like I like Lewis a lot, but he's not a good defender, uh, and his injury history. Like, do you really want him roaming around True. the outfield? So, like, True. I think eventually, what you see when all four of these guys are up at the same time. Because I do think that will happen at some point. Uh, I think it'll be happen at some point next year. To be honest, yeah, I do too. I think uh, I think you know late next year we're looking at an outfield of all four of these guys. I think Lewis becomes the everyday DH, and then you know he'll spell guys out in the outfield every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that uh, Tramel, Rodriguez, and Kelnick—that's the outfield, and that outfield is fire. Oh my god, it is so hot. Uh, I, I, I like I think now is the time to buy on Trammel. I think in Dynasty sure. Leagues if people if you like him. Yeah, I think Dynasty Leagues people are, are down on him, like you said, traded to a second organization in like the last year. So people are gonna be like, Well, nobody wants him. Well, obviously somebody wants him, so that's that's the thing too, right? He has enough appeal to keep mm-hmm. getting traded, but then you wonder why he can't hit that that you know kind of untouchable mm-hmm. status but uh, it's not inherently a bad thing there've been guys that have been multi-traded and they completely panned out um you know they they, they were still very good I, I remember one i remember this when i first kind of heard of this concept in the first place was Gio Gonzalez mm-hmm. getting bounced around uh, via trade a bunch and he's had a hell of a career 
And so it's not it's not a death sentence on on uh, Tramiel's upside at all. And I agree with you. If you liked him at all at any point in these last couple of years, now's the time to go buy. Hell, maybe even if you're not a huge fan and you just want to buy and you're you're agnostic about these things and you just want to buy distressed assets as far as Dynasty goes, go get them. Go get Taylor Trammell because the price will be lowered. Let's talk about the major league pieces that they got because uh, I think we talked recently about Ty France mm-hmm. and uh, what his abilities were and what he showed at the minors last year. Does he slot into a uh, to a role here? Actually, yeah, I, 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 th- I think Depoto already said that he's going to play every day. Oh, that's huge. Uh, or no, Scott uh, Service uh, said, yeah, he's they're going to try to give him everyday playing time for the rest of the season, uh, he said yesterday after the trade. Um, you know, I mean, I think he's a guy that could hit, you know, a handful of home runs. He's multi-positional eligible, which is mm-hmm. always great in fantasy. Yeah. Uh, there's no reason for them not to hit him in a decent spot in the order because that order is going to be pretty garbage. Elite? Oh, oh. I, I, th- I thought you were going the other way with that. I mean, if you're a Tigers fan, it looks elite. But Hey, dude, I don't think you got the, the freaking trump card on me right now. We just got off sweeping the Twins, my guy. Oh, we're sitting just... at 500. Well, we're obviously uh, uh, buyers because we just traded for Anthony Banda, baby. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Okay, and notice you didn't have Uno, that on the sheet. Uno reverse card. Yeah, we're gonna do a separate episode on that. Oh, okay, a whole a whole hour on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't, okay. I can't just throw that in. And Anthony yeah. Banda, the oh, like we're just gonna talk about that fly by night. Okay, whatever, dude. Come on, dude. And we're gonna do, we're gonna do another hour on the Tigers five game win streak. We're gonna break mm-hmm. down each game and the pivotal plays, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, okay, what else did they get here? They also got. Where's my sheet? I lost it for a second. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is for future because he's recovering from TJ. But how do you feel about Munoz, Andres Munoz? Again, live arm, dude, hits 100 like it's his job, mm-hmm. mainly because it is his job. But uh, seriously, <laughs> like he, he he drops 100 miles an hour like crazy. He was going to be one of those guys. He was going to be like a, a Devin Williams, James Karinczak this year before the TJ. And like I said, there's no guarantees with TJ, but – this could be a big piece for them too. This he could be their closer of the future, right? Yeah, I mean they could also try to make him a starter again. Um, That's true because he's not, he's not, not blocked. The bullpen. They do. Ha- I mean, this is a a minor league system though that is kind of rich in arms, mm-hmm. and so I my guess is that he will stay as a reliever. But I think so too. Uh, but you're just pointing out that it is it it is, it is off the table that Munoz comes yeah. back and starts. But they're starting to put some things together, too, at the Major League system. Marco mm-hmm. Gonzalez is really looking like their, their kind of Dallas Keuchel type at the at the top of the uh, rotation. We're seeing some mm-hmm. things out of Kikuchi. Sheffield and Dunn have shown their flashes. Dunn's got a got... great first name. No, he doesn't. It's very stupid. <laughs> is it Jared or something? Justin, baby. Justin. I know. Justin. Come on. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, but, yeah. Prospects for days, pitchers mm-hmm. that we haven't even seen yet that are going to be. Yeah, I really like George Kirby. And Logan Gilbert. I think mm-hmm. both are, are really strong. So, uh, okay, yeah. So keep an eye on him. But uh, I wouldn't go get Munoz. No, I don't know. I don't I, buy hurt relievers in Dynasty. I, I don't buy relievers in Dynasty. Personal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. But especially ones that are working their way. Because, again, TJ's not a guarantee. We yeah. feel good that guys aren't uh, 
it's not a death sentence for their career, but it's it's far from a guarantee mm-hmm. as well. Especially when a guy throws as hard as Munoz does. Bingo, bingo. Uh, Adams is coming back. I mentioned Adams and Altafield, but again, there's no real room for them to be uh, closers there with San Diego, mm-hmm. so they're more for the major league team than they are for anything fantasy-wise. And then their last deal, you briefly kind of mentioned him earlier, Mitch Moreland is going to come over and looks like he's going to be more or less their full-time DH because the two guys that were DHing since Fam hit the IL – for the most part, were France and Naylor, and they both got traded. So Mitch Moreland, he's been a, a full platoon bat, but he's absolutely killing it. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. I think there's a chance that that he actually gets some of the burn against lefties, and I wonder if you think that the trade-off of not hitting that well, like his career 240, 307, 371 line against lefties is not good. I'm not going to sit here and try to pretend that. But it's also not so devastating mm-hmm. that you're like, I'd rather he be on the bench. I think maybe the extra volume is is kind of worth it here if Moreland does play every day. So what did you think about Mitch Moreland going out from Boston to San Diego? And then we'll talk about the two prospects they sent back. I mean, I think it in some ways helps his value because the team around him is going to be so good. But mm-hmm. I do think he's going to get platooned uh, somewhat. But that's okay. That if he does, yeah. then it's just status quo. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, especially because that's where they can get Castro in. So that you know, when when he he sits, they they let uh, Nola be the DH, and Castro catches. So I think that is probably more likely than Mitch Moreland getting full time run. That being said, great situation uh, and the lineup around him. I mean, right now we have him penciled in to hit fourth or fifth. I think fifth. That would work. And, like, that is just such a premier spot to be hitting in this lineup to to drive and run. Yeah, I mean. All over the place. And the two guys behind him, Myers and Cronenworth and Nola. Myers uh, is, like, comeback player of the year right now. did you get him anywhere? I know he's been your boy for years. Okay, because I I know – that's been your guy that you buy, and the price has never been I, better. I wish I had him more places, but I'm pretty sure I've got him in my on my online championship team. Yeah, he's been I mean, he's been fantastic. He had his ninth yesterday. Rake Cronenworth, love that guy. Austin Nolan, who we just got done talking about. So I think this is a, a at worst just neutral for Moreland. Actually, no, no, no. It's automatically a positive because even if he is platooned, the lineup's better. So there's definitely positive here but if he does start to get at least some burn against lefties i think that'll help the volume even though it'll hurt the uh, batting average a little bit um hudson potts and jessen rosario mm-hmm. i don't know is it it's j-e-i-s-s-o-n is that just pronounced jason and spelled differently you know i Perhaps? honestly i do not know yeah i'm unfamiliar with him he was the 20th ranked prospect in san diego um and you know I keep up with prospects as much as I can, but I'm not I'm not in the 15 plus range of most organizations as mm-hmm. far as knowing about the guys. But I will tell you what uh, our he, he's 20 years old, so I mean, yeah. it's, uh, I mean he's uh, <laughs> does live like a, like a live player um, as far as you know yeah. center fielder. So you're starting on the on the mm-hmm. high end of the defensive spectrum. And no, no power, no pop. Okay, so are you dying over there? Yeah, I don't know what's going on with my throat today. Uh, I think it's it's the fires around here has made it really smoky, and so oh, my voice has been kind of going that. in and out, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's got some speed. Uh, he's got some projected hit tool, uh, and he's super young. So I think, and he's super far away. I think what this does is 
it takes him out of an organization that had a really, really deep farm system, and and this is Rosario, and puts him in a, in a uh, system that is pretty shallow. Painfully thin, yep. And gives him a real shot in the future to be kind of an everyday player in Boston. Uh, same, with, same with Potts. Potts is one of those guys. Yes. So Potts is is the is the mm-hmm. key here right because he was ranked yeah. fifth in their system he does have pop talk to us a bit about him he looks like a corner guy third first type yeah probably first i, I don't think he's i, I though <laughs> boston has a lot of these guys that should have been aren't they starting to get a little cluster because bobby yeah. dahlbeck is third first devers mm-hmm. is already there chavis can kind of fake second but for how long like what mm-hmm. what's happening here where are they going to put all these guys i mean someone's got to figure out how to play third base apparently uh, or left field or left yeah so uh but he i mean he is very much you know one of these guys that uh is gonna get a home runner strike out um uh, yeah i mean we saw that in double a where you know hit 16 home runs in 448 plate appearances uh, but struck out 29% of the time. He does have the ability to walk, which is is obviously good, but, uh, I mean, think a, like, Miguel Sano light type player. Okay. Um, Eric did rank him as the third prospect traded at the deadline with mm-hmm. Trammell and Taron Vavra as the um, two ahead of him. So I like Vavra. It, um, I actually don't know anything about him, but that was the Michael Gibbons deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says he's an athletic, albeit undersized middle infielder with a profile driven by his contact ability. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, Potts is a young corner infielder with plus power and strikeout issues, as you highlighted there. So um, that, that I thought that was a good pickup for mm-hmm. Moreland, though. They spiked two prospects for yep. Moreland going off, and uh, that, that's what you got to do because they're, they're rebuilding these things here in Boston. Let's move on to our next deal. Actually, one quick thing, because um, I did you guys talk about this deal, the Rosenthal one, um, and Edward Olvares? Uh, yes, we did. Yeah, yeah, that you was know. your second one. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't get to listen to the pod yet. How uh, dare you? Yeah, dude, if you knew how far back I was on pods in general, <laughs> yeah, I am too. Um, what did what was your thoughts on Olvares? Because I know you liked him because we actually had you and I had him mm-hmm. in labor. Thinking mm-hmm. that maybe he could find some, maybe we were kind of hoping he could be the Jake Cronenworth for them this year before Cronenworth emerged, as far as uh, a kind of a middle level prospect that could pop and be something big. Do you think he's going to get some playing time out in KC? Well, they already sent him down, mm-hmm. um, so it doesn't seem like it. But I think this is more of a maybe a potential play for the future. Okay. In uh, I mean, right now he's a short side platoon guy when he does come back up, but. There's so little in uh, Kansas City that I think he could get some run, and I, I do think there's some upside there. Yeah, their strength of their system is um, pitching. And so, you know, Oliveris, if and when he does get called up, I, I don't think they would call him up to just bench him. I no. Think they actually want to give him some burn, and that's why they went down to the alternate site. Uh, like I figured you guys had covered that yesterday, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts as I had not heard that episode. All right, moving on here. Uh, finally, we're done with San Diego. I think they had a pretty good, uh, pre- pretty good day, though. You could say that. Uh, Cincinnati was quiet until the very end. Then I thought they made two nice moves. Mm-hmm. They got Archie Bradley and Brian Goodwin. Now I know the initial thought when they got an outfielder from folks was, "Dude, why did they get an outfielder? That's you know they're they're so deep in outfield." Yeah, but it hasn't really panned out. Mm-hmm. Shogo Akiyama, a guy I really thought was going to be good, has has really struggled. 
in the majors. Um, I think unless he hit one yesterday or the day before, he's one of like 17 guys among, I think the number was 276 qualifiers. I saw this on like a scroll. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know exactly who came up with the stat, but he's one of 17 out of 276 who does not have a barrel. Wow. Nary a single barrel for Akiyama. Two stolen bases, though. <laughs> yeah, sweet, sweet. And, um, you know, 196, 282, 250. It has not worked out. No. So, Goodwin, I feel like he can come out and be the, the strong side, at the very least, in center field for them. He's been playing well the last two years. I like Brian Goodwin. I thought this was a good move. What do you think about Goodwin? Then we'll get into Bradley. Uh, yeah, no, I think this was a good move. I mean, a guy that, uh, like you said, Akiyama's really, really struggled. And, I mean, I think you have to obviously be out on Akiyama the rest of the way. But he's a guy that I may buy back in on on the super, super, super cheap uh, next oh, I, year. I agree. Yeah, I think I think giving him an adjustment period this year and then and then coming I mean, back not, to Yeah, him, not only sure. did he have to come over to a different country and learn a new things, he did it in the middle of a pandemic and a exactly. weird season and uh so give him a full year and he he's going to be on my my deep sleepers list. Uh I thought Goodwin was a better defender, but I guess not. Um, nah, he's he's pretty mediocre. He came up with a defensive capability in his profile a little bit. But it was always thought that he would move to the corner. Mm -hmm. That said, since he hasn't been afraid to kind of fake somebody in center, remember they yeah. put Chu out there for a full year, and they just don't have many options because Aquino and Castellanos are on the corners. That's yeah. a wretched uh, defensive outfield, though, if Goodwin is the starting center field, which might keep Akiyama into some playing time for his defense mm -hmm. right now. So um, is this a net positive for Goodwin because of the playing time now that because he was starting to get squeezed with uh, with Adele coming up, mm -hmm. Adele hit two homers the other day. It was looking like Upton and Goodwin were platooning, but it wasn't a straight platoon. Like yeah. Upton was getting plenty of starts against righties. So I think this is net positive. No, Uh I mean a little bit. I don't think ne you... neutral. I, I think it helps because it's a better team. Um, yeah, but ultimately, yeah, I think it's probably pretty neutral. Better park, so I guess that helps a little bit too. So that's true. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a fairly neutral move. I, I don't the, think he's viable outside of NL only. The absolute best part of this trade, and I, I will not be told otherwise, is that it allowed us to learn about a guy named Packy Naughton, <laughs> which uh, is the greatest name ever. It's awesome. So old Packy uh, was 20th in their system, in the red system mm -hmm. coming into the year. Uh, you know, nothing particularly special with all due respect. You know he's got command, uh, command guy with a good changeup. I do love, I do love a changeup on on a prospect, a ready-made changeup. But he kind of sits 89, 91 um, from the left side, which is, mm -hmm. it's not the end of the world when you're that. Funk and deception. Um, I love this. This is a great uh, comparison that that Eric gives him. Sees him in a multi-inning relief role, a la Ryan Yarbrough. And yeah. that can have some fantasy value if it is put into the situation where he gets an opener. And we've seen Yarbrough spike and actually, mm -hmm. you know, end up outperforming. So nothing crazy there. I wouldn't necessarily like run and go but, get. But a great name, eighty eighty uh, great yeah. name, eighty name. That's the big deal. Uh, now here's an interesting one: is the Archie Bradley mm -hmm. component here? They scoop Archie Bradley from Arizona, and I feel like he could maybe get the job. 
But Rysel Iglesias, don't sleep on Iglesias. I know the first thing that jumps out is the 559 ERA. But he has 15 strikeouts and one walk in nine and two-thirds. The the a three run in a third of an inning outing is doing the heavy lifting on that mm-hmm. ERA. Everything else, and he gave up runs in his first two outings against Detroit. Other than that, he's been nails. He has a strikeout in all but one outing, uh, two put, two strikeouts in six of the ten outings. I don't know that Iglesias is necessarily out uh, here with with Bradley. I wonder if they might just kind of share the deal, share the job right now, even though they're both righties. Or if Bradley might just go full fireman, so this is definitely a hit to his fantasy value. Even if, even to me, because I don't think he just outright takes the job. But where do you mm-hmm. stand on Bradley going to Cincinnati? Yeah, I think Bradley has a real shot to get some work uh, in the ninth. But I think this is probably going to be matchups. And you're right; he may end up just being kind of the fireman, the guy that they you know kind of bring in in, in the most in the almost high leverage situations hard of the order coming up in the seventh or the eighth uh and you're right i mean the one thing about iglesias is he's not given a home run up since uh july 25th yes he gave up that one to the tigers Mm -hmm. in the first game uh, and he lost the game it's like here we go again i'm Mm -hmm. I'm sure reds fans are like are you and this is i avoided iglesias because i was just so afraid that he was going to be such a quick hook I did too. And I then was kind of forgot about him, honestly, because uh, the Reds have been bad, and yep. um, you know, and I haven't really been paying attention. So it's actually a little surprising to see how well he's been pitching. Yep, I checked in on him yesterday when the trade happened, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! This is not necessarily just going to be Bradley's job. In fact, I mm-hmm. don't think it is off rip. I think uh, if Rysel fails and, and, and sputters at all, boom, they can put Bradley in. But right now they're strengthening their bridge to Rysel with Archie Bradley. So that, that hurts his fantasy value quite a bit. Um, Stuart Fairchild and Josh Van Meter go over to Arizona. I don't know anything about Fairchild. Uh, Van I like Meter, Fairchild. Uh, tell, tell us about Fairchild. Then we'll get into Van Meter. So Fairchild is like that prototypical uh, guy that I <laughs> really like, where he's <laughs> a lot of power, um, but he's got you know some decent hit to him, uh, and I mean his strikeout rates have actually been pretty decent. Um, now he's an older prospect, and he's been playing in levels that he's probably too old for, and so okay. uh, like Josh Van Meter, yeah. He's got a little bit of pop, a little bit of speed, uh, the ability to, uh, you know, walk, the ability to hit for average. Uh, like, he's just, I think in, I think he was kind of buried a little bit in, in the red system. Uh, and I think he'll get a shot here pretty quick, because, I mean, he is 24, so, mm. uh, with the Diamondbacks. So he'll be, and they traded Marte, you know? Which yeah, exactly. So, so he, he's an interesting guy to watch, especially in NL-only keepers, uh, you know, or uh, in in dynasty, uh, I don't know that they're necessarily gonna bring him up right now. Uh, though they should, they might as well. Why not just see what they got in him? But uh, exactly, and he, like he's he's 24, so um, like you said, a little bit older. He was ranked as the seventh best prospect dealt at the deadline by Eric uh, Fairchild. Is a well-rounded center fielder who I expect to make a big push, make a push for big league outfield reps next year. Um, so he's got him for next year, but maybe he gets a little look this year. I mean, they put John Jay out in center. So, you know, why not give Fairchild a look? I don't think starting the clock on a 24-year-old is that big of a deal. 
Um, and then Josh Van Meter, we've seen him get some hype because he, he tore apart the minors last year um, and just, you know, hit a bunch of home runs really quickly with the rabbit ball, got a call, showed some things, had some spurts here and there, but overall last year in his 260 plate appearances wound up at 237, 327, mm-hmm. 408 but hit eight homers with nine steals. And those nine steals, I think, are what keeps him on the fantasy radar a bit. However, he's been abysmal in 38 plate appearances this year. Josh Van Meter's 25, going out to Arizona. Any interest there for NL only or deep, deep dynasty type thing? Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Like the 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 power speed is what is what's supposed to draw the attention. Here's the thing: if they don't bring up Fairchild, though, they should at least put Van Meter out there and give. Like, he, should, he should at least get some playing time, right? Where? That's in the, the outfield. I mean, can, can he play center? I don't I mean, think he not. can't play center. No, and they're not going to bench Calhoun. They're not going to bench Peralta. Well, no, 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 no. But Cal, maybe Calhoun to center then. Yeah, I guess they could probably yeah move Calhoun to center and and put him. In right, just to give Van Meter some. Bur- I don't know. Like uh, again, it's it's not that, that fantasy relevant. So I don't want to. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to belabor it. Um, but yeah, DH is a possibility, or um, if an injury strikes in the infield, that's mm-hmm. where you would really look at it right now. So for for Van Meter, again, don't go crazy. I know he's he had a little bit of a, a name for for some cachet for what he did last year. The park change it, is going to be brutal for him too. I mean, I was just about to say that's a big negative. Yeah. All right, let's talk about what Toronto did. They had a big day. They got Jonathan VR uh, from from Miami. They got Ross Stripling from L.A. This one was, dude, this was one of the latest mm-hmm. deals I've ever seen come through. Like, Nick and I, we waited till about 4, 20, 4.30-ish, you know, just to see if anything trickled in. And it came an hour after that, it seemed. Mm-hmm. Like, I was already moving on to everything else. I, was, I, you know, I had laid down for a nap. Same. The deadline was over. <laughs> Same. I, Jen and I were watching some YouTube videos, just chilling, relaxing, and I said, "Ross Stripling, what? What the hell?" Like I couldn't believe it. Um, and then they also got Robbie Ray from mm-hmm. the rotation from Arizona. So let's start. I, I kind of ranked them in order of uh, importance as far as I see the three. So let's start with VR. We learned about this move after we, or as we were learning that they were getting Star, Starling Marte. So we're like, wait a minute. That's like a one foot in, one foot out. Mm-hmm. Well, I already spoiled what the big news here. The reveal was that Isan Diaz is coming back. Yeah. So they felt, hey, we don't need we don't need VR here. If we can get something that we think can uh, can better us elsewhere, we got Diaz coming back. Uh, we'll worry about getting a player to be named later down the line from Toronto. We'll get another prospect. We got Diaz here. We got. Uh, um, uh, Marte coming into center. Birdie can go back to super util, and they feel good about where they're at there. What do you think about VR going out to Toronto? He hasn't been great this year. In fact, I think he's been a bit of a fantasy disappointment. I mean, uh, I wouldn't say he's got like nine stolen bases. Yeah, that's true. But I isn't mean, his that's... line bad? No, it's not awful. I mean, two uh, he's yeah, two sixty-seven. No. He's got two home runs. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, what? and I think his value stays about the same, and might even add a little bit more pop going to Buffalo. Uh, so, yeah, I, I actually like this move because he's going to play every day at least starting Somewhere. out. Yeah, you know, yeah. with Bichette still on the IL, mm-hmm. he becomes the everyday center mm-hmm. uh, shortstop off rip. Yeah, and then he can just bounce around, give you know, be the super utility guy once Bichette is back. Yeah. Uh, 
and the Jays are a team that'll push it on the base path. So I, I don't I don't think this hurts him at all. If anything, no. I think it helps him. Yeah, because Miami's offense, for as well as they've been playing, and I, I thought their offense could spike up a little bit. It actually hasn't. The pitching's mm-hmm. been carrying them. Their offense has been actually uh, quite poor overall. So they're trying to jumpstart it with the Marte move. And Isan Diaz was not great last year, but I do like him as a prospect. So I think he can bring some uh, viability there too. Uh, so yeah, I like this too. I think at worst it's a neutral. At best it's a slight bump for VR. And he is going to play every single day to start. And uh, I, I think even when Bichette comes back, it's bounce around time. Mm-hmm. Rowdy Tellez would be in danger at that point because I think Lourdes Gurriel would go to the bench and VR would go to the outfield. Uh, or, excuse me, would go to DH. Gurriel would go to DH, mm-hmm. Tellez to the bench. Excuse me, excuse me. Uh, and then between Stripling and Ray. Okay. They both struggled this year. Um, Stripling, not nearly as much as Ray. Ray's been one of the literal worst pitchers in baseball as far mm-hmm. as his results. But now they do have six. When they got Stripling, that was kind of their fifth guy. Um, who, if either of them, do you think goes to the bullpen, or do they run a six-man between Stripling and Ray? I think if either of them goes to the bullpen, it's probably going to be Stripling. But Just I think because of his experience there. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I guess they could. Could you put Chase Anderson in the? But he's been pretty good. No, he's, he's fulfilled what he was supposed to do. I really think it's between the new guys. Roark and, and Anderson have have done what they were mm-hmm. brought into. I mean, Anderson's been quite good, and Roark, Roark hasn't uh, – actually, he's been a lot worse than I thought. I didn't realize his walk rate was through the roof. Yeah, but the problem is they've got Roark signed for another year, whereas they don't have that with a lot of these other guys. So True, but that uh, doesn't mean that they can't put him in the bullpen. He also yeah. has experience there. He's given up two homers in three of his last five outings. I mean, I think Ray is the guy that plays up better in the bullpen. I agree. And they just lost Jordan Romano. Mm-hmm. They can get a little bit more of a, of a power guy in the bullpen in Ray. And, you know, clearly his mechanical changes have hurt him. He's been, Like I said, he's been abysmal this year. I don't know. Obviously, we're pro stripling as well, even though he's been struggling. Like I'm, I'm I, still pro stripling. I did I hope pick up Robbie Ray in the main event, and I started are, him. Are you trying to win? Or I need win? strikeouts and I need wins. Um, and I mean, I did it before. It was weird because I, you know, I picked him up uh, and put him. You know, the, all the talk was he was going to go to the Yankees. Yes. And so, like, I had put him in my lineup going, well, I'll have a decision to make after the trade deadline, you know, because games wouldn't have locked. But then he got traded to Toronto, and they had already started, so he's automatically locked in my lineup. <laughs> so, like, oh, well, your decision's been yeah, made like, for you, good sir. There we go. Starting Garrett Richards in Colorado and Robbie Ray, wherever he starts. So. Hey, you, you hit the first leg. Mm-hmm. Let's see if you can uh, hit, the, hit the double here. Got him because... for $69, too. Very nice. Yes. Uh, so, like, I mean, I still, I mean, I think Robbie Ray is who Robbie Ray is. Uh, and, I mean, he's, I don't think he's an 8 ERA guy, that's for sure. But I do think he's probably a, you know, low to mid 4s ERA guy, just with a ton of strikeouts. Um, you know, maybe Toronto saw something in him that they think they can fix. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, al- that's always what we wonder when, when teams acquire struggling mm-hmm. pitchers, like, do they think they have something? Here's the thing. Both guys should get a start this week because they have mm-hmm. 
an extra game with a doubleheader against yeah. Boston on Friday. So they, they're both going to be in the rotation. They're likely in that series, in fact, at Boston because mm-hmm. um, they have four games in three days. So I think both get a start there, and maybe it's an audition. You know, yeah, it's I think a small that's sample, exactly but it's what an it audition. Yeah. Whoever does better gets to stay. Yep. So assess it that way. Um, as far as AL only with these two coming in, who are you king in on more? Or, or I guess we got to wait till Sunday because we have to see those auditions, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think there's no real answer. We'll talk about it. Um, well, I think you and Jason will talk about it on Sunday. Yeah, because, um The first one is going to be Friday. Ray looks like he's going to be the second part of the doubleheader, and then Saturday for Stripling. That's at least the tentative schedule that we see right now. And uh, as far as those deals go, there was nothing uh, of note going back to Arizona and the Dodgers, respectively, mm-hmm. that we really need to get into from players, a fantasy yeah, standpoint. Yeah, players to be named later and stuff like that. So Correct. All right. Next up um, is the Starling Marte deal to Miami. This was, this was a biggie, and Nick on our show called it when we were wondering who's going to go back. He said Caleb Smith. We should have called you for your uh, yeah. thoughts on it. But, uh, yeah, so it basically ends up being Marte for Smith. Humberto Mejia and a player to be named later were also included. But this is Marte for Smith here. What do you think about Marte going to Miami? I think it's a pretty lateral move. Um, I would agree. You know, as, as much as uh, the Diamondbacks have sucked, it hasn't necessarily been because of Marte. I mean, he's hitting 311. No, he's been great. Yeah, so... Uh, maybe he just, you know, <laughs> it's so weird that Miami is a better team, but, um, he's not, not a better offense. So like, I'm not going to say like he gets a boost or anything. I think, yeah, I think it's just a pretty lateral move. Uh, and they will likely exercise his option next year. I don't can, can, understand can I talk about that for a second. Yeah. I can, don't can get I fucking that. rant. Yeah. Why? Would you trade for him if you weren't going to pick that up? Because that's part of why they traded Marte. Mm-hmm. They said that they weren't going to pick up the twelve and a half million dollar option for Marte next year. Which, which one? Folks, why do you even say that? Like you exactly? Why just that even give up said? like a ton of your leverage in trading him? Exactly. Like I can't stress to you enough. If if you guys don't follow contracts and and mm-hmm. you know think about how how much players cost and their value. I can't stress to you how little Marte has to do to be worth 12 and a half mil, mm-hmm. especially if he plays like at least 140 games. Just to give you an idea, it's about uh, roughly eight mil per win, per yeah. win above replacement. In a 77 game season back in 2017, when he didn't even perform that well, he had a 91 WRC plus, he was worth 11.1 mil based on that. This year, in 33 games where he's killing it, he has 1.1 WAR, so he's been worth about 8.8 mil. Like that is so mind-numbingly stupid mm-hmm. and over-the-top cheap that it really pisses me off. If you can't afford that, sell the fucking team. It is disgusting to me. I, yeah. I, I was I was so put off by the fact that they were saying that they couldn't afford. Every team can afford that deal. Every single team. Yeah, not to mention they they just dropped. <laughs> <laughs> what is going to be nineteen million dollars a year on uh, on Bummy. on Baumgartner, and they've got thirty eight million dollars coming off the books next year. Like it's and not they can't afford this. Dude. Yeah, I, no, it's it's unbelievable. It's disgusting that they. I mean that they felt they couldn't afford him, so they needed to move. Just ridiculous. Uh, 
And I mean, I feel bad for Marte. He's gone through a lot this year. Yeah. Uh, you know, so for them to do him dirty like that and trade him across the country. Uh, yeah, I, I, it really awful. I, great move by the Marlins, though. Yeah, I mean, hey, like, hey, big ups to, you know, Jeter caught mm-hmm. plenty of flack for what he's been doing. You know, he's, he's the minor, he's the farm system for the Yankees, this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. Here they are, firmly in contention, making additions at the wire. Yep. The only reason they traded a major league piece in VR is because they knew they were getting their guy back from, uh, from an opt out. And I like what they've done. Two years in a row, they've traded from their pitching strength to get some hitting both times from Arizona, by the way. They did the Zach Gallon jazz Chisholm deal. And we don't know how that's going to go. We love Gallon, and he's been great. Um, Chisholm hasn't, hasn't debuted yet. That could end mm-hmm. up being a perfectly strong win-win. I like this move here. Smith has pitched all of three innings. Mm-hmm. He's, and, uh, he's still out with COVID. He, yeah, and he walked six. Obviously, his COVID case has been one of the worst ones because it, it's been it's been a while. He is working his way back, though. How do you feel about him the rest of the year? I mean, I don't think he's viable in any format rest of the year. Like, Even when he comes back, we we don't know that he is coming back. And like, how uh, many? Well, yeah. Like, how much? Like, how deep into a game is he going to be able to go? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think. I think this is a play for next year. Yeah, I mean, because they have him through, through twenty two or, or through twenty three, through yeah. twenty twenty three. So I, yeah, I think this is a play for next year, and I think it's a really interesting one. Uh, you know, he's going to go to Arizona. It's going to be a new environment. Uh, you know, good park still. Uh, the humidor has really helped a lot of guys. Uh, you know, and I think he uh, is a guy that could really benefit from that added grip. Uh, you know, the humidor gives you. So I think that, um, yeah, I mean, I'm still never going to be a huge Caleb Smith fan, but I think this is an interesting move and I don't think it hurts him long-term. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'm, I'm not, I don't need to say anything else on that. I like, uh, like where your head's at on that one with regards to Caleb Smith and starring Marte. A couple more small deals here before we get out. Mike Miner to Oakland, uh, another buy low. Here's two, two players to be named later going back to Texas. Um, Oakland and Texas have always had a rapport, even though they're they're in the same division. Miner has struggled quite a bit. I will say though, the he did the Rangers a big favor with that final showcase, throwing six scoreless against the Dodgers really adds to your appeal uh, on your way out. Even even though the the composite numbers are still pretty rough at a 560 mm-hmm. ERA and a 136 WHIP, at least he showed something against one of the toughest teams that you can face. How do you feel about Miner, and do they go with a starter or reliever form? Because remember, we're not that far removed from him putting out that ace turn out of the bullpen with uh, with KC. Um, obviously, they'd love to get him back on track as a starter, but I think they have some some cushion here where if it doesn't quite work out, they can move him to the pen, and he could be an asset there. What do you think about Miner to Oakland? I wonder if he and like Bassett like are a tandem. That could work, absolutely. Yeah, you got the re- lefty-righty kind of difference and yeah uh i mean bassett's been able to go somewhat deep into games but only went three innings in his last start and maybe he's more effective uh i should check his splits what his splits are like second third time through the lineup um i mean actually he gets better as the game goes on so um that's that's a little weird uh so yeah maybe i mean i think right now that I think maybe he sticks as a starter a little bit, and they they work a six man, 
Yeah. Just just because they're a team that is doing fairly well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they're leading the division. And I don't think there is an added bonus to winning the division. I, I mean, home, not like really. home field advantage Doesn't may exist. not. Yeah, may not exist if they're going to do these bubbles. Yeah. Uh, nobody has to do a play-in game uh, because of the eight teams making the playoffs in each league. So it's like mm-hmm. it's just a matter of getting through, you know, over the finish line. Yes, exactly. And less a matter of where you finish. And so maybe they decide, hey, we're going to give everybody a little bit of a break. Um, well, and another thing, though, Montas could be slated for an IL stint because he has struggled so brutally since the back issue yeah. that I wonder if maybe they think that I, that I agree. I just has, traded has for Montas, by the way, so I still believe in him long term. Oh, I, I still love the talent. I, I think this is firmly related to mm-hmm. injury with the with the tweaked back, and he's on that cusp of like they're he's telling the team, you know, I can work through it. I'm ready to go. They're still giving him opportunities because they, they are doing so well. I think if they were, you know, fighting for their playoff spot, they might've put him on the IL after the first one. Yeah. So I think it's, it's one of those things. And he's, you know, he's kind of inching better. Um, even though the results have been rough, nine, four and five earned runs the last three outings, but four, three and two, the walks are coming back down mm-hmm. and that's the key there for Montas. So yeah, I think they could run a, an effective six man as well. I think that that's actually, more viable than than it is with Toronto um, and their two new guys. Yeah. So I think Miner could could maintain start. Do you like Miner as a pickup? Mm, no, I mean yeah, yes and no. I guess like I think this is a really lateral move for him. Uh, That's fair. The, the parks are very similar in playing uh, for the pitcher more than the hitter. Uh, I mean, I guess the defense is much better behind him. True, true. Then in Texas, because that Texas defense can be pretty brutal. The bullpen is pretty brutal in Texas. So I guess it is like a tick up in value because, I mean, he should get, you know, it's a little bit better uh, The only thing and... I'll push back on is, is the bullpen. They actually built a little something there. With Montero, Jonathan Hernandez, uh, Jolie Rodriguez, they kind of put a little something together. Like, I don't believe quite... these are all real players. They are, and you know the, that's kind of the frustrating thing that I'm, I'm sure they're lamenting there in Texas is that that was their biggest weakness coming into the year, and then they turned it into a bit of a strength. Mm-hmm. And if they could have panned out with the hitting and starting pitching the way a lot of folks expected, myself included, they might have been able to do something this year. But but yeah, I, it I may think be it is, one of the reasons why they decided not to sell. Uh, Texas, you mean, yeah, you know. I mean, I, I think that they they still find themselves on the cusp next year. Yeah. Especially like, if Kluber can come back healthy, yep. uh, that offense has some pretty interesting, bright spots. I agree. Uh, so I agree. yeah, yeah I, I, I think they don't want to do a full scale teardown, but minor was a, a rental. That's probably why they didn't trade Lynn. Cause Lynn's 10 mil next year. Yeah. I he's mean, so that, cheap. That, that's like, that's nothing. Yeah. I think if they had gotten someone to really give away the farm, they would have done yes. it, but I don't think anybody was, quite willing to do that i think they were getting more of the quantity not quality offers of, yeah. of a clevenger yeah the clevenger and they deal, said yeah. nah we we need more of that high impact we, we, we want a top 20 players, prospect yeah but yes give us give us the, give us the drew A's waters prospect. give us yeah give us someone that's gonna really make an a long-term impact are you sitting down i am okay good because are you bracing yourself oh god this, i mean this is gonna I'm, blow you away i'm so excited the Rockies 
acquired a veteran outfielder. Oh my to god! Fuck over their young players. It's can amazing. Believe, can you believe that? It is like the most rocky move ever. You can set your clock to this crap. And you know dude. what the beauty of it is? Is he's probably not gonna platoon. Like he's not. Like he's no. he's gonna play Kevin Pillar. He's gonna play every he's day. Pillar out to Colorado. Go ahead. Uh, he's gonna play every day because of the defense. He's just going to... I mean, Garrett Hampson hasn't done enough to warrant them continuing to run him out there either. So, sure. like, I can't necessarily sure. blame them. And the NL is wide open for those. They, they, they are in the mix. And mm-hmm. I will say, they play in a park where defense alone it's in the huge, outfield yeah. can make you viable, be, even if your bat isn't killing mm-hmm. it. But his bat's actually been pretty deep. So it's fun to meme on them and, and kind of clown them. This isn't a terrible move, though, because he does have a 795 OPS and Kevin Pillar can cover some of that outfield, that very spacious mm-hmm. outfield, that it might actually be the right move. Uh, but it's just funny how often, it, like I said, <laughs> you can set your clock to it. Them getting an elder, an older player to block off some young players, particularly mm-hmm. in the outfield, they just that's their hobby. That's their favorite yeah. thing to do. Yeah. Are you picking up, uh, are, you, are you eyeing Pillar in NL Town? I mean, I might because he's one of those guys that I might be able to sneak in for a little bit cheaper. Uh, you know, I, I think I've got about seventy bucks left worth of fab, so I'll put sixty nine dollars on a bunch of players and <laughs> the best. I like it. Uh, yeah, so um, this is a plus move for Polar, of course, getting to go to Coors, and I agree with you. I don't think he's really going to platoon. He might get the occasional uh, day off against a righty for somebody to fill in. But for the most part, I think he's going to man center field out there and and be ready to go uh, with Dahl on the IL. And, I mean, if our friend of the podcast, Jason Martinez, is correct, uh, he has him batting six in this lineup. Like, that's not a bad spot for him. And while Pilar is not, like, an offensive juggernaut, at all, I mean, he's a season remove away from a twenty-one fourteen, boom season. Now getting to play in that spacious ballpark where you know his BABIP will go up, and I want to say the Rockies have a lot of home games remaining. That that'd be great. He hit twenty-one homers with the Giants too before yeah. before the fence moves and everything, and it was rabbit ball induced for sure. For sure. But, but the rabbit ball is not like gone away necessarily. No, either. it's it's a bit different this year, but it's not. Like fully, it's it's not a dead ball, that's for sure. Yeah. And uh, let me take a look here on the piece that you mentioned with the home games. They've ha- they've played nineteen, so that means they have what? Um, it's 11. not even. So oh, okay. It's, okay. I mean, yeah, it's not e- like you don't well, have. I'll just look at the schedule here. They have let's see, they have two, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. They do have eleven left. Okay. They do end with eight. At San Francisco and Arizona, that's a little tough. Though San Francisco, if if you had listened to uh, the last pod with Jason, Jason mentioned that San Francisco's stadium is the seventh friendliest hitting wow. environment this year. Like I said, they did move it in. Yeah. It looks it looks like it's playing better uh, for sure. So maybe that's not so bad, and we'll deal with that down the line. But I do have to get going. Um, that's our trade deadline wrap up. Justin, great talking with you, and I'll talk with you on Thursday. Take it easy.